The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common digital marketing problems. And today, uh, our guest is Jake Bohal. Jake is the co-founder of Hive Digital. Uh, discovered he discovered Hive Digital, now uh, then known as Verante, and uh, it's a basically he was a client seeking marketing advice, and he quickly fell in love with the search engine marketing industry and its ever changing environment. Over 13 years of experience in SEO, as well as his own experience in founding several startups, ranging from insurance services to a social network for wine enthusiasts, and. This makes them up to uh, identifying practical online marketing strategies to fit a company's growth objectives and available resources, which from what Jake told me before the call is something that he loves to do, especially for organizations that have a real cause behind them. Jake, do you want to talk about that just a little bit? It sounds like like your your target audience is, isn't just anyone with a budget for digital marketing. It's like there's, there's a certain type of client you're going after. You want to talk about that a bit? Sure. Thanks, Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. You know, as an agency, um, there was certainly a period of time in our younger years where you know we would do anything for anyone um, as long as as long as they had a, a check to go behind it. Right. Um, I think as our agency has gotten older, and quite frankly, the executive team is you know we have families and those things now. Um, you know, we've really found our passion in helping companies that we feel are making a difference. Um, I like to be able to go home and brag to my kid, like daddy's working with this company that does, you know, facial recognition software and they help stop, you know, child trafficking, you know, those types of things. That's amazing. Uh, I know, I know we've worked with a few clients and, and we talked about this a little bit b- before the show, but we've had some clients that uh, were in like the, the healthcare industry. And one of the things that they would do is, is fly to third world countries and help give people back their sites, you know, if, if they you know, were, were eligible for it, or they would help battered women uh, if they needed cosmetic surgery. And it's always such a great feeling, you know, when you work for a client that's that's giving back. You feel like you feel like you're you're doing something that's helping the world and not just trying to generate a paycheck. And not only does it help build a better culture, I think, at the, in the workplace, because everybody loves what they're doing because it helps other people and doesn't just put money in our pocket. Uh, but two, it it helps you sleep better at night. You wake up the next day going, I. I really love, you know, that I've made a difference in the world. And I, I think that's such a great um, mission, you know, for for everything that you're doing at your company. And yeah. um, today I know we're going to be talking a lot about SEO, uh, but um, I think that's just from a, a high level, something all companies should think about, right? Do I, do I really enjoy working with these clients? Am I only working with them for the money? Um, are there clients that I could work with that, that you know, have a better mission? that I can buy into and, and make a difference in the world. I think that's, it's an interesting mindset. Um, I, I appreciate that. I, I do, I do want to think that it's also worth noting as an SEO doing marketing, having a client who does something awesome makes it a lot easier to do things like link building. Right. So like when you're right. sending out those emails saying like, Hey, like check out my article, will you link to me? It, it's a lot easier to do that. You know, when you're, you know, representing a doctor who's, you know, literally, you know, saving children's lives. 
um, sure. you know, than some guy who's trying to hawk, you know, a, a, you know, an oil for your dog's skin or something. Always the best link building strategy. We, we've even worked with attorneys where we did some things to help the community. We gave away uh, bicycle helmets to kids. Uh, we, we did a CPR class. We did a blood drive. Mm-hmm. Um, any little thing that you can do for the community, regardless of, you know, what business you're in, is, is a great way to make it easier for the folks that are trying to earn links to do that. And for local businesses, not only do you get the link, but you get the mention of your name, address, and phone number too in, in that process, particularly if it's a local event. So um, so I think that's, that's a great point. I, I think when you're working with brands that make it just so easy to earn links uh, compared to those that are just like, just um, just point to bottom line sales pages and I don't need upper funnel content and we don't need all that. Just, just make it rank, make me number one. You're like, you know, those aren't the clients we want. Right? Exactly. And it's a lot easier to do actual ethical white hat link building when you have clients oh, yeah. that, you know, you can be proud of, right? Because everybody's excited to help. Um, for sure. So it, you well, know, our it, first it, question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say there is a benefit, uh, you know, in, internally in our SEO efforts, uh, to having clients that you know are either already implementing those sorts of strategies or who are excited and open uh, to taking approaches that are really about oh, giving yeah. back to their communities. The buy-in, oh my God. When you get a client to buy into it and they're as passionate about it as you are, that's that's fun because now it's a collaborative effort. We're all on the same page, you know, and I love that. Awesome. So SEO works best with a team in place. And you've mentioned unmanaging your SEO team, uh, even referencing the matrix and those red pills, which I do all the time, by the way, the red pills, the blue pills and rabbit holes. Uh, can you walk us through your vision of a strong, successful SEO team? Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think for the record, I run an SEO team for a smaller agency. Um, so my experience is limited to my team and the in-house teams that I manage as a vendor. So uh, in some ways, I'm still learning whether unmanaging is an effective tactic or whether it's maybe a great excuse for me to give my team autonomy. Um, so that, that being said, I do think it's important to know that you know, in building my team, I've really tried to just like focus obviously on the people um, and you know, talent, transparency, trust, and training. Um, yeah. you know, so with the talent, like you know, the SEO industry is really fractionalized um, and it makes it different or very difficult. So you know, we've focused on making sure that you know, we have somebody who's an expert in technical, someone who's an expert in content strategies, offsite, you know, internal politics, data analysis, and so forth. Um, and then, you know, looking at making sure we have transparency in the team. Um, so we do something a little bit different at Hive. Like we have a shared inbox. So like okay. all of our clients, uh, we ask them like, hey, can you copy this project management inbox? It helps us keep track of things. But it also means that everybody gets to see everybody's work. So it creates... On one side, this like really collaborative environment. On the other side, on the other side, we get to see you know when you when you when you screw up or like make a recommendation um, that doesn't work or you have a failed or exciting experiment. Like everybody kind of gets to share that as a team, um, and we do cover some of that stuff in a weekly meeting of you know like what's working, what's not, you know, sort of agile framework. Um, and then I think trust and training, like you know, we're not a mill, so. Mm-hmm. Each person, um, and, and this is something that, that we really try to do different, and a lot of the new employees we hired from other agencies like spoke very highly of this, and that each of our consultants manage their own clients to mm-hmm. stay on a budget, to be accountable to themselves. And you know, we basically let each of our consultants run the projects like they're a freelance um, nice. contractor. So the idea is that 
you know, we are an agency, we're here to support you, but you know, you come in and get to know the client, get to know what's special about them, and you find out what's going to work for them, what strategies, reporting style, deliverables, and so forth. Um, and then you've just got everybody around you if you need something, but like it's yours and you should, you know, live it and breathe it like that is your client forever. And that's so unique because so many agencies have just the opposite. And I've, I've worked for a few of them, unfortunately, um, back in the, the late 2000s where they'd say, okay, here's your team. You don't get to choose them. Here's your budget. Here are the tools you're going to use. And you're like, well, wait a minute. To be effective for this kind of client, none of this is going to help. I'm I'm going to need to select somebody with experience in e-commerce. I'm going to need to select somebody who, um, you know, has has technical experience with, uh, you know, with working with product data feeds or something, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'd love that you give, you know, the person who's leading the account the, the freedom to run it in the way that's most appropriate for the client as opposed to, you know, working with a really rigid framework that um, that can make it really difficult to be successful because not, not every SEO strategy is going to work for the same clients. No, and you can't, I mean, and you can never go into a project like, with a checklist, right? Like, I mean, like there are things that we have to cover. Like, do you have, you know, search console set up? Do you have analytics? You know, those sorts of things. But, you know, going through and saying like, okay, you know, let's make sure that we do all of these aspects for a technical onsite audit first. And we have to do this for keyword research. Like sometimes people, you know, they're on a budget, they're in a hurry. They only care about one product. You know, like you learn the client and then you adapt. Just like from a political standpoint, you know, red pills and blue pills, you know, you have to learn you know, as a consultant, whether or not, you know, you can give your client a red pill, like, can you tell them like, Hey, your site sucks or your product sucks. And like, you're going to have to change everything at a company level, or we're not going to, we're not going to rank this. I had a client who like ranked number three and they were really upset about it. And I, and so I was like, so do you think you're better than, you know, and I insert, you know, ranking number one and number two. And they're like, well, no, um, you know, but like, you know, we do, we do this. I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna have to focus on fixing all these other elements if you genuinely want to rank better than everybody else. Because Google's not going to put you at the top and then have everybody complaining uh, about your business. So like, we have that side. And then you have like the blue pill where you have, I mean, historically for us, like, on the ignorant standpoint, where, you know, like, sometimes like with link development, um, or even some, some like checklist SEO stuff, like as an agency, you know, like, Sometimes the client just wants something very specific because, you know, they, they, I don't know how political you get on your, on your podcast, but like, you know, they read it in a Neil Patel you know, article. And so now like you have to do that, um, you know, and so we have to just ask them like, okay, like, is, do you want a red pill or a blue pill right now? Um, <laughs> like, so that's, that's awesome because then you're, you're being hundred percent transparent. You're, you're giving an analogy so that they understand kind of where you're coming from and what you're doing. Um, but yeah, you're, you're always going to get those cases where someone read an article somewhere. And I've been lucky enough that most of our clients that, that come to us trust us, even if we say, yeah, that's that probably would work in some circumstances. But based on what we've found in your industry and with your website and with the things that we've been doing, that's probably not the appropriate path to take. But we'll add it to our little down the road test. You know, if we don't see results from what our existing recommendations are, most of the time the clients are like, great. Well, you know, thanks for getting back to me. Uh, but, um, but you're right. Every so often you're going to get that one account that says, um, well, I read this thing. And, and sometimes that's the beginning of the end for a client. Sometimes it's a agree to disagree and 
and shake hands and let them bounce between 20 other agencies in the next year. And, you know, they'll hear back from one year later. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll come back when they, when they learn. I mean, like the number of times that I've had clients like leave on those exact same principles and then come back and say like, Hey, actually like, let's, let's try this again. Um, And I think, you know, each of those is a learning opportunity for my team members as well. And I mentioned, you know, the autonomy side, you know, to have an effective team, I think it's important that you create a system, like a framework for the agency that they can be creative and they can be themselves because SEO to be effective these days, like you have to have creativity Um, and you've got to be able to- Math, art, science, and creativity is the way I've always kind of looked at it. Yeah, exactly. You you have to be able to dive down, you know, rabbit holes and explore random stuff and see what happens and and try new things. And and also to have like training opportunities. Like I do a a one-on-one with each of my team members each week. So we do like a weekly meeting where we just sort of go over like, what are your projects, priorities, you know, wins and fails. Um, And then I do a one-on-one with each of them to say like, what are your roadblocks? And, you know, when they come to me with a roadblock, it's generally either something that I need to do, like I haven't done for them, um, or it's something that they're struggling with like individually. And so it's a great like training opportunity for me. So like every week I generally get to screen share, like, solving some problem that someone on my team had. Um, and then they do the same, you know, our, our dream scenarios. They, each won't, they won't speak out with it, Jake. It's, it's, you have to have that that meeting because they, yeah. for some reason, I don't know if they're just intimidated or they feel like he's busy enough and I want to bother him. But you're right. You If you just force it, if you just say, I'm going to spend half an hour with you and if we don't use it, we don't use it, but I'm going to lock it out and see, you know, kind of how your week's going and what you're doing and where some of your roadblocks are. And that that sort of gives them the, the opportunity to say, you know what, I've got it. I've got some time um, that they've made for me. I can use this time and try to uh, try to get my, my questions answered. That's a brilliant idea. I don't I honestly don't know anybody who does that. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I can say with confidence that it has made a huge difference with my team and both being able to meet like deadlines and so forth with, mm-hmm. with their clients and then being able to meet my own sort of personal expectation that I'm mentoring because it was really easy for me to just like get into my own zone and forget my team because of the whole autonomy thing. Um, and I just like, I had to fix it. And that was, that was the strategy that I used. And so far it's been working out. I, in my opinion, the one thing that we've done that's worked so far, um, but it doesn't give them the opportunity to train with me directly, which I, I do need to start playing with. That's a great idea. Um, but one thing we do is we have accountability partners. So instead of hiring a manager or a leader, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we sit down, we assign accountability partners. In fact, we haven't had to reassign any of them. At the last time I said, do we need to switch partners? How are you guys feeling? You know, do this anonymous survey. And everyone's like, no, I love it. We, we hold each other accountable. So every week they they jump on a call with their accountability buddy and they they talk through what, you know, what they're working on, where their challenges are. They look at the project management system. Hey, I see you have all these things that are in queue. Do you need to redelegate or change some of the dates on any of them? How can I help you? I'm your QA. Do you want me to review some of your work and, yeah. and what you have going on? And that's so, that's been super effective. Is, is that like there's a dedicated person for each? Yeah. Each? Mm-hmm. So and, we- and it's and it's different because the person who's your accountability buddy will be a different person that you're an accountability buddy for. Mm-hmm. That so, way, it's not the same person. It's interesting because we do something kind of similar. So I mentioned that each of our consultants like gets to run their own project. Um, as you can imagine, as an agency, like there's yeah. liability there and that uh, you know, somebody's going to go on vacation at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have two policies that we put in place. One of them is 
I don't expect anybody on my team to work more than like at an eighty percent um, like workload, just so that they've got time to cover for other people. Sure. Um, the other is that for each project that you manage, you you pick a, a backup, and like in our case, it's it, we do more of like a voting system. So like a new client comes in, and it's like okay. You know, it's pitched internally, like, this is a client, do we want them? You know, what do they stand for? Blah, blah, blah. And then, like, somebody says, like, I want that one. Um, and then there's, like, a second consultant that is intended solely to run as the backup person. And so they stay up to speed on what's happening because we share this inbox. Um, and then they, because they're the backup, that sort of partnering happens in accountability because, like, if person a doesn't get it like i'm looking yeah, at he's got to know what's going on and say like hey like you gotta you gotta cover like if they're overwhelmed like you have to cover it and so they end up working and holding each other accountable on those fronts and it's different for every project yep. based off of you know like this client is heavy technical and some content so a technical content personal matchup or this one's heavy content and linking so then a content authority person matches up very interesting. So yeah, you, just, you try different things. The accountability thing worked for us is a, a good starting point, but man, I got to try that. Uh, maybe maybe I'll start with like 15 minutes and, and see if I need to do more, but uh, I have enough meetings on my schedule to have to pack it in, but it, it's so important to give them that opportunity. And when we do the team meetings, it's it's awkward quiet sometimes, right? Because no one wants to step up and, and ask for help. Um, one of the things that's that, you know, in fact, we've we've discussed this before, and uh, you've discussed it a lot online. Is this idea of a an SEO pyramid, right? Can mm -hmm. you take us through this this whole idea of an SEO pyramid, explaining you know what really matters in SEO and where we should focus our experts? Um, and we'll we'll make sure there's a visual element of this too, so people can kind of see what we're talking through. But talk about this this hierarchy of SEO and um, how it's the first time I've actually seen it and heard about it. And I'd love to kind of share that with the audience. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I did some some training for Fortis College and this boot camp course for SEO. And one of the things that I thought was important was just creating a, a in this case, a graphic, for example, that would, would really explain the fundamentals of SEO. And I've used this with clients um, who are, you know, they know that they need SEO. They're like, what does that even mean? And it's really that there are these core tenets that we have to cover. Like, first, foremost, like the base foundation of SEO is crawling and discovery. So it's like our technical SEO and making sure that you know, I think it's chapter two of the textbook I wrote. So I'm, I'm with you. Which is good. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Right there at the beginning, like before we can rank for anything, Google has to be able to actually see it. Um, so just making sure like that part of like the discovery part of your site is in place and Google can index your content. Um, the second most important aspect for, for our perspective was content and relevance. So making sure that, you know, there's a solid link between the intent of the user and the query they're doing, um, and then converting them through the search to your landing page with targeted messaging, whether it's your description, whether it's like the heading when they land there, whether it's the actual, you know, delivery of the content or service or whatever it is, right. um, you know, but that ultimately from the, the title through your conversion action on the site, you're delivering on the intent for whatever keyword that you want to go after. And this really has helped a lot for, you know, like we've had clients that, you know, they want to rank for pool. Um, and we're like, okay, like, is that a swimming pool? I want to rank for the word the. <laughs> yeah, the. <laughs> you know, it's always, it's always something random and it's always something right. that like, you know, like you've got like the Arbor. The Rolex is, I need to be on the first page for the word watch. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Or time. It? You know, we had, yeah. you know, what, with time. And it's like, what do you mean you want to rank for time? How long just typing around? Well, I haven't created it yet, but can you do it by like by the end of the month? 
So <laughs> I, I think a lot of times it's it's you know that that particular level that second step is where we really help customers sort of like come to terms. Like we feed them a red pill on like do you actually do and serve the audience that you think that you want to serve, um, and that you know keyword research and stuff kind of falls into there, um, and then. You have like experience and vitals, which this one's a new, uh, a new layer in there, which is, um, you know, Google's efforts, everything from, you know, mobile first indexing right. to site speed. Um, you know, the prediction is that at some point we'll probably see um, like accessibility metrics. We've already seen security uh, mm-hmm. or well, security uh, with, with HTTPS. Um, you know, so like that is, in our opinion, you know, something that you don't have to have to rank, sure. but it's. You know those it's, things it's that are accommodating all users, right? It's, it's privacy, accessibility, security, and mobile friendliness. Those are those are principles of what we do in technical SEO. So exactly. Right. Yeah, and and making sure that you've got that. You know, what is the one thing if all other elements were equal that is going to really make the difference? And that's going to be your customer's tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then the cherry on top, uh, which I think if you show that graphic, you'll see it. the cherry on top is links or authority. It's the thing that we're not supposed to be able to manipulate uh, that as SEOs, obviously, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to manipulate, um, but it's really, you know, when, when Google is take influence, <laughs> not manipulate. we're influencing results. We're, not we're making casual suggestions by means of links. Um, you know, so, you know, if Google has found your content and, you know, they've, they've, you know, filtered all of the web by this thing that they think is relevant and, you know, they've applied this layer of, you know, what they think will actually meet, your experience, so like the device that you're on, um, you know, ultimately they're going to have to come back and then say like, how do we sort the list? Um, and that's where you know the authority metric comes in. And so, I love it. That's such that's a great a- idea because it's like you don't even you can't get to that second, third, or even fourth layer until you've ensured that the the site can actually be found and crawled, and your pages can get indexed. And you shouldn't be working on links if you haven't even established what content you're going to have because what are you going to link to right exactly. so this is great I, I love this format and i think it's a perfect visual for anyone who's sort of new to seo or if you're trying to sort of train the different stakeholders your writer and your developer and your digital pr folks you know i think this is a great framework to um, establish what's what's going to be involved in our you seo know, campaign and i think as an seo one of the one of the other reasons that we put links last um, is obviously like priority of things that we control versus those that we don't and where we should apply budget and that sort of thing. Um, but it also has given us the ability to defer link building towards mm-hmm. later in our engagements with clients, which is really, really helpful, like, because it allows us to actually see what naturally occurs. So like, it's amazing how much rankings shift when you fix on-site elements. And, you know, we ran an experiment many years ago to prove to ourselves that we could rank a picture with no text like on the page at all if there were enough links pointing to the page. So like you can throw, you know, steroids into a, a runner um, and they will win a race, you know, but at some point, you know, an injury is going to kill them, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we really want to focus on, you know, this sort of like bottom up approach to, to SEO and both um, the tactics that we use and the timing, you know, that we use to deliver it so that it's really about, ensuring that we are going through these steps in the order that Google would be finding our content and, and waiting and ranking our site. Makes sense. Yeah, I love it. Well, you've, you've mentioned the blurred lines between SEO and general marketing and seeing SEO as part of your DNA versus being viewed as a campaign or a channel. Can you break that down a bit for us? 
Yeah. Um, you know, so SEO isn't just a review process, I, I think is the, the easiest way, you know, as, as I've worked with larger and larger clients, you know, like initially, um, actually, let me back up. When you work with a small client, you end up being stuck with a responsibility for everything. Like they want you to manage their email accounts and their hosting and the design of their page. So like, you know, we got, we got sort of stuck as a smaller agency and, and growing like, that like all of these, every client like expected you to do everything. Like your grandma thinks because you do SEO, like you can help her, um, you know, install an app on her iPhone. And like, that's your job. Um, you know, so clients end up doing the same thing. And so like we sort of had to learn some general marketing stuff. Now with SEO touching every aspect of what a site is doing and delivering and the experience for the user, like we've moved from like those clients that expect you to do everything to like, now you actually do need to be involved and like, where are we hosted? How is that affecting site speed? Yep. Are we using a CDN? Are we pre-rendering? Um, you know, where are images? Are Nitro Pack on this to, uh, <laughs> yeah, to amplify exactly. it for Are we using Rocket Loader or not? And you who's know, paying like, for that? Whose account is it? Is it marketing at your domain or is it, you yeah. know, uh, uh, you know, an email address with us, right? It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot it's, not behind it. So, we, you know, we've gone from like, this stuff where we were just having to do it because, you know, they expected it to like, now you actually do have to interface in a large company with every single department mm -hmm. because SEO is touching everything from where the site gets deployed to the delivery of the services to the client and like how we can leverage that delivery for feedback and reviews and links and, you know, all those types of things. So like now, you know, when like my personal role at Hive, I, I spend a lot of time with a few really large clients where, I'm, I am doing politics a lot of the time, you know, and, and they thought internally like, oh, like what stage do we put, you know, this in, in Jira? Like there's going to be a task, you know, stage for a task in Jira where like, okay, now we SEO it. Um, and so we had to break down that idea with, um, you know, like one that the, the hierarchy of SEO sort of pyramid, but also approaching it because we would run into things where they were trying to launch a program and we'd say like, you already have that program. Like, like you're coming to us when it's a demo test, uh, you know, or in staging environment. And the reality is, is you should have come to us when you first had this idea because you've already done it. Like it's already live on the site. It just sucks really bad. And we need to rebuild it there. Um, you know, or and you're like, right. And you're right. There's, there's a lot of politics there too. When you, yeah. when you look at the different team members and approvals and budget approvals and stakeholders, as you get into larger businesses, it's, uh, it gets even more like that. And, and the equity that you are, like your primary contact has in the organization, right? Like that's also going to dictate red pills and blue pills where it's like, do we just let it roll and fail? And then when they can't figure out why it's not working, like then we get to come in and fix it. Like obviously not the ideal scenario, but a lot of times like people have already been hired and budgets have already been set. And like, you know, that, that's a train that you can't stop without hurting a lot of people's feelings uh, along the way. And so, you know, fortunately, as the agency, or unfortunately, um, you know, we don't have like a, an actual interest in their internal politics. Uh, you know, so we get to kind of play this role of, you know, neutral third party Switzerland, where it's like, you know, here's some reality. And what are you going to do with that knowledge? Let us know how you want us to handle it. But we have now delivered to you, you know, the, everything we promised, you know, but yeah. it isn't pushed through because exactly. of internal politics. Yeah, we... We can, and sometimes you just have to let it go. Sometimes when, when you do your monthly meetings, you, you bring up the point, the suggestion, the 
the page, you know, that, that you'd recommended and you keep it on there and you say, when you're, when you're ready, you know, we've got everything that you need ready to go for this. And here's what the, the forecasted value could be based on search volume, your average order value, um, you know, an average click through rate an average conversion rate, take all those numbers. And here's a forecast of what this page or this particular thing could mean. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, in having that, you know, a year later, you look back and you're like, so here's what we could have had, you know, X million of revenue or whatever from that incremental from getting this page up. Um, so do you want to try that this year? Because I could have meant in two years X, you know, dollar amount. So yeah, you're right. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to quantify things to push things through. And other times it won't matter. Other times it's, well, um, we'd have to rebuild our system to do that. Or we'd have to you know, get another third party to come in because we don't have the technical resources to do that level of coding that you need. So yeah, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, there was a really amazing presentation. I can't remember who it was. Um, it was somebody at Botify uh, that okay. did this presentation talking about the, you know, they get to see a lot of different organizations and all of their data and output of, you know, how they perform. Um, mm -hmm. And the presentation was discussing the, companies where DNA is, or excuse me, the SEO strategy is like dictated from like from the top. So it's like where SEO is like, this is going to be a part of how we approach all the things in our company versus, you know, the SEO is a footnote. Um, it is a great deck. I, I wish I remember who did it. Um, but they're, you know, essentially making the very clear case as to the success that you see when somebody has an idea in the organization, you're like, does this have an effect on SEO? Or at least letting the SEOs get involved so that you avoid a lot of hurdles and, and, and things like yeah, that. It's, it's tough with larger organizations too. It's such a brand heavy um, SEO environment when you look at the search term reports and so forth. So sometimes it's it's more difficult to bring in uh, non-brand opportunities. And sometimes even the smarter developers will come back and say, well, um, I know you want to optimize for the word kids shoes, but it's such a broad word that we're probably not going to convert very much the traffic we're going to need more server space to get that kind of traffic, um, you know, and you're just like, all right, so I can't win every battle, <laughs> right? But I can tell you this is what it could mean. And brand visibility is a good thing. It's upper funnel, you know, it's it's going to, you know, allow for remarketing and and um, your marketing automation. It's, it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing to have a low conversion rate for a high volume search term. But, you know, developers sometimes don't think that way. They're very mathematical and not, um, as much about, you know, big picture. How so, many keywords yeah, do I need on this page? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Next question. What is your strategy for overcoming enterprise SEO challenges? We already talked through a couple of them, uh, like getting the executive C-suite level buy-in across and cross-department collaboration from companies you work with. Uh, is this something, um, you know, is it something most of us uh, come against time and time again, or is it, you know, is this sort of a random thing? Yeah, you know, I, I think whether you're working with like a single, you know, entrepreneur, like a solopreneur mm -hmm. who is, you know, you've got to get them to buy in to prioritize the tasks that you're asking them to do, um, or you're in a large organization that's, you know, some multinational with departments all over the world, and you're responsible for all of their organic traffic. Um, so I, I think regardless of what you're what you're faced with in terms of the client structure, you're always trying to figure out how to get buy in and so forth. And you mentioned it a moment ago, Steve, that. Know, researching potential impacts like 
you know, when you're when you're trying to get the C-suite to buy into something, like the number one thing you can do is point Sensing to deficit. <laughs> this is where you've lost. Yeah, like you know, like here's an example of where you did this wrong. Like you know, and I love. Um, I don't I don't appreciate this for my clients, of course, but like, you know, I love having those moments like we had a, a client whose server went down for like four or five days. Um, mm -hmm. And when it came back up, their rankings didn't recover. And it, it took uh, I think it was probably like three or four weeks before Google trusted them again. And they were ranking at the top for some highly competitive uh, e-com keywords, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, you know, obviously they were beating out like Amazon and stuff. And so, like, of course, when they disappeared. Amazon comes back, Google starts seeing great click-through data for them as well. Um, yep. So anyway, we, we had a perfect case to point out to the client of, listen, when you botch something with your delivery of the site, this is the potential, potential income loss and rankings loss. And even if you put it right back is, you know, within five days, this is the type of residual impact that it can have. So we had that actual data, like real life data to show them like your site went offline because you know one of your server you know servers the power line got chopped at the at the data center like it was really not their fault um, but it was it was enough to be able to make the case of like this is the practical you know impact that happens why redundant server redundancy is so important <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. so you know i think so you know one is kind of like what you pointed out like showing the research for potential impact one, 1. 1.2 million dollars shake that's how much we showed one of our clients when their uh, their menu section went away because mm -hmm. a developer put in a no index. So $1.2 million over the time that it took to find out that it happened to get it back up and working to re-index it, um, you know, and to get it ranking again, $1.2 million. And it was over the course of, I think it was about two months. So yeah, that's, that's impactful. Even, even in new opportunities you want to present, not even just the, you know, thing went down. We, oh, weird. We we had a we had a client that um, they they took a free trials button out of their navigation, and because somebody didn't like the fact that it stood out and, and the sort of you know like people get bored with their own sites. I think you know just just to digress for a second, people get really bored with their own sites and they want to make change for sake of change because they're they're tired of looking at it, and so they're like, yeah, that that button's been there forever. People know how to get to our free trials page. It's just you know click yeah. click click. Um, they lost you know they went from from. The Delta was about 30,000 visitors a month that they lost to their free trials page. Um, you know, it's like, so like painful lessons, like those are obviously great ways to get buy-in. The other thing, and, and this is a bit more, you know, I, I have struggled with it at moments because it's manipulative. Um, but a lot of times, like it's just taking justified baby steps, right? Like, so like we have a, a client that we work with that we've been trying to get them to, to transition to like user-centered design. We're trying to get them to build these landing pages and like, it just wasn't working. Like we presented it all as a big project and like mm -hmm. they, we don't have time for that, you know, like that sort of thing. And even, even saying like, well, here's step one, like the project itself was so overwhelming and in, in scope and it felt like it was going to change so much. And ultimately it was going to be like a homepage redesign and this sort of stuff. And so they just said no. Um, and then we went back over the next like couple of months and, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to do a content audit here. We're going to um, do some conversion rate optimization on this page. We want to build a tagging system so we can personalize content for the user. Um, and then ultimately, like, you know, we, we basically created like 20 little mini projects that we could pitch and sell for reasons outside of SEO. Like, you know, the tagging for personalized content, like that was for us, like internally. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. We call that blanking the client, right? Yeah, so we, it's, it's exactly. 
And sometimes you'll have this big page that you want to completely overhaul. Um, and instead of being able to, to push it through because there's so many changes in it, you start by baby stepping. Hey, let's throw a little video in here. Hey, let's, let's change this. And within like a year or two, the page is what you wanted it to be. So sometimes, so that's, that's one solution, baby steps, car walk run. The other, the other thing that I've done too, is when we do our monthly reporting with our, our consulting accounts, we'll, we'll start with a, a slide that's educational, right? Mm -hmm. For the stakeholders that are new, or just to remind them, here's, here's why we're doing this. And here's, you know, what the potential is and why we're even talking today. Uh, and then we get into analytics and then we get into tech and content and, and links. But, but that educational piece, particularly on the year end, you know, where you get those, those higher ups, those C levels that come in, that are, those educational slides are so important for them mm -hmm. to see the visual of what we're talking about. Show them a screenshot of the search results and a competitor outranking them so that they immediately go, why are we not number one? Let them ask the questions so that, you know, they're, they're getting buy-in, you know, through the answers. And I think that's, yeah. that's, we, you know, one smart. of the things that we did um, in that same, in that same vein for a client, like we couldn't rank for a particular keyword because it was a keyword phrase that Google had considered a comparison, a query, yeah. and they were not ranking brands <clears throat> for the <throat> query, right? Just, they were ranking comparison sites. And so, you know, we, what we did is we then went and engaged with each of those sites and, you know, the classic barnacle, you know, link building strategy. And mm -hmm. so we were able to show the executive team, like, no, you don't rank for that. You won't rank for that. But yeah. here's what we did do for each of those sites. When they, when someone clicks on it, you rank number one on their page. So now you have like 10 number one rankings instead of the one that you were really going after. Yeah, it works so well with Yelp and TripAdvisor and, um, sometimes it's not even the linking. Sometimes it's just taking the time to maximize the fields that are available in some of those profiles. So I'm with you. Yeah. And, um, and funny enough, that that was our way around this particular client wouldn't create a comparison page on their own site because they didn't want an apples to apples comparison for one of their competitor products. Because oh, that's they, where you get back into the be a better, better business. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, <laughs> coming back to the honest route of like, you know, why are we here again? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, all right, last question. Can you catch us up on any of the new or time-tested SEO tools that are taking your efforts to the next level? You mentioned Botify before we've used them. Is that one of the tools that you feel is uh, yeah. sort of a time-tested tool or love. something new? Yeah, absolutely. Love, love Botify. I mean, Botify is not yeah. new per se, um, but right. they are, like, they're constantly adding new features. They I think in the last like three or four months, uh, they've rolled out a number of new features for helping you automate, you know, identifying, you know, particular issues that are being impacted um, sure. from an SEO perspective and then showing the potential of or showing like what exactly that's impacting. So like this issue impacts, you know, 25 percent of pages that generate, you know, 50 percent of your traffic and some of those types of things. Um, you know, Botify as a whole, like just the roll up of all of the data in one place, like. I, I have found that platform to be invaluable for my enterprise clients, small it's clients. A, it's a great, it's a great dashboard tool and initially started out with just crawling, right? It would crawl mm -hmm. your website and there's, there's alternatives too. If you're looking at, at a tool that's going to crawl your website and identify all of those different uh, crawl issues and duplicate content problems and accessibility, uh, Botify is one of them. Deep crawl is another, uh, we use one called Write R Y T E. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some clientware that's a little bit, um, well, a lot less expensive, but um, can crash your computer for larger websites like Sitebulb and Screaming Frog. Uh, there's even another one online called Sightliner. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a smaller business, Sightliner gives you a lot of free data to start with. But 
Um, but they're all very similar in what they what they offer, and everyone's kind of got their own thing of, you know, what they like or dislike about another. But I've heard good things about Botify, and um, I haven't checked into Deep Crawl in a while, but they were the industry standard originally, I think, back in the day. Yeah, now they're, they're probably the most expensive. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a number like SEO Clarity and stuff like. There's a number of tools um, that are out there, like adding you know adding some of the crawl features. Screaming Frog's fantastic for any small site. Like that's the first tool I go to for large sites. Um, you know, there's a couple of people on my team that it's are great for prospecting too, Jake. For those SEO agencies out there, use Screaming Frog. Find errors, find issues. Use that as your intro. Hey, notice some things you might want to fix. All there, of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, you just give me free help. Thank you." Yeah, it's true. You can also run Screaming Frog in the cloud, by the way. So, mm-hmm. like, if you if you're worried about crashing your site, you want to do a large site. You know, Screaming Frog can can be effective for that. Content King um, is is another tool that you know has really been it's it's just saved my tail so many different times. Um, you know, for for those of you who aren't familiar with, I'm assuming you're familiar with it, Steve. Or I've heard of Content King, but I haven't used it. Okay, yeah. So I, I think their tagline is something mm-hmm. like you know because SEO never sleeps or something like that. Um, and it's essentially a persistent crawl of your site. Botify okay. just added this feature. Um, I'd, I'm assuming because of Content King, uh, but effectively you put in your your domain name, and mm-hmm. it crawls all of your site, and then it queues a crawl just like it's Googlebot. Um, and so they determine like the priority of pages based off of your internal linking structure, and then they recrawl all of your pages, and you get alerts for changes, and they snapshot a change. So you can imagine like as an SEO with, you know, clients who go rogue, right? Like Joe decides he's going to go change his homepage. Oh, they never go rogue, Jake. They're, they're always <laughs> Yeah. Between Why would they the- want to block the robots with the robots TXT block the whole website? Why would they do that? That's, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's like, we've, we've used tools in the past, like, I think, um, like visualping.io and stuff like that to like alert me when a client's changing a site. Content King. Visual ping for every single client for the robots TXT, every yeah. single one. So yeah. you could get rid of that and use Content King, and it would cool. be even better because then you would get like, here's the change for the robots, and it stores a snapshot of the robots text over time, um, nice. all in one dashboard. And you can, you know, you can do. Um, I'm guessing can, it does code too, where visual ping is really more the the rendered image. It, I think. Yeah, you get to do both. So like, they'll render the like for source code. Like they'll look at changes in the render DOM as well as changes in the original source. Um, I've actually the biggest thing that I have found with Content King where it's helped me the most is with science or with clients who have their load balancers out of sync. And mm-hmm. so we would start seeing this like weird inconsistency where it's like I get an alert, get an alert, get an alert, and I would look and I'm like, this isn't this isn't an issue. Um, and then with Content King, like they store the like the the headers and everything for you to check out. And so I would look nice. and then we were able to figure out like this site, like one load balancer was out and it had like, like no data. So like it had like no index tags on it. It had like the wrong. Oh. And so I, I, I think what they ended up finding out was like one of their dev sites had ended yeah, up in the load balancer. Dev. And so you can imagine for Google, like, you know, one, you know, in this case, we, we ended up running some testing and found like 20% of the time they were serving the wrong site. Um, yeah. So like not good for Google. So like I, I was at Botify, Content King, Market Muse. Um, heard of that one. Like those are those are some of the the big one. Obviously, you know, uh, Screaming Frog and so forth. You know, oddly, you know, I don't think anybody talks about like project management for SEO. Like we use a combination of Asana and Harvest and Jira um, okay. with clients, and like you know, we use this. Jira platform. seems to be really popular. I'm, I'm gonna have to look at ways that that agencies and consultancies are using 
Jira, you know, and, and how they're how they're creating dashboards to be able to see everything. We've we finally moved off of you know we went from everything from Basecamp. One of my favorites, by the way, was a system called Igniter with a U, mm-hmm. Igniter with a U, and it was great because it allowed you to have a PM system with task management, and it also had integrated reporting from multiple data sources, Moz and Ahrefs and and others, but but it wasn't very mobile friendly. And for those of us that are constantly on the move and you know and, and out and about. We don't want to crack our laptop open to be able to to collaborate on a task management system. So yeah. you know, we eventually moved back to Monday.com, and and now it's just a simplified, easy view that's customizable with custom fields, and you know, we're not um, sort of confined to your your standard you know PM system. And it's perfect for marketers too, where Jira is you know really heavy for more developers. So. Yeah, we, anyway. we, we use um, Asana and Harvest. And I think you know, we st- when we first started using a PM software, we used something that's called Dot Project. And okay. this was in like 2005 or something like that. Oh, wow. And we, we Frankensteined this thing together <laughs> until um, this past January. We okay. finally changed for, you know, the first time in what, like 15 years or something. Um, you know, we, we changed to, to Asana and Har- a combination of Asana and Harvest. Because we were trying to make it uh, like mobile friendly and things like that, I ended up building, uh, you know, a mobile version of the app so that we could have it on our phones. Still actually use it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but eventually we were like, "This is crazy! Like, why are we?" I mean, it was free because we you know we hosted it ourselves. So that was that was a motivator. Um, but there's so many cool cool project management tools out there, and like for us, you know, we change for all of our clients. So like, mm-hmm. I have some clients that like our our PM is for us, right? But like for our clients, like. We jump into their base camp or their Monday or Asana or Jira, or whatever. We, you do, know. we do the same. In fact, we'll even invite them to, to ours, but because mainly we're just consulting. So it's a little bit easier. They don't have to micromanage what's being done because most of what's being done is being done by them. And we're yeah. just consulting. Well, exactly. And our, and our goal as an agency is to take customers who like and create a process for them. Right. So like yeah. we've never been the agency who. Um, like we create a Google account for you. Like, we're like you create it and you share it with us. Mm-hmm. We want to be, you know, kind of an add on to your existing systems and help you train and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of working in their PM tools means we get to help them create a process internally so yeah. that, you know, ideally, you know, for them, they could wean themselves off of us. And then I'm just here if you have any problems sort of thing. Or for that once a year Delta, hey, mm-hmm. could you tell us uh, how we're doing from when we started? and. Yeah. I love that. I, I like I like being I like clients who are successful at taking all of your advice and implementing it and so forth, and then they get to to implement internally and they call you when there's you know a, a and you're not you're not hijacking their marketing like some of the agencies you know do these days. We won't mention them by name, but I think we know who they are. Um, but yeah, it gives you it it helps you empower and teach them um, how to manage search and when they need you as overflow as. Um, to fill the gap when they're between resources, um, or maybe they just they're at that point where they're like you know what we just trust you to just run it and manage it. Um, you know you're you're still the wingman. You're not someone who's going to hijack their digital marketing. You're just going to keep it running for them and earn their trust and get referrals. Um, it's which, such a different business model. Which which can like, I have a client who I thought that was what I was doing, and it turns out like we ended up like this is a client I'm very heavily involved in now, where it's yeah. almost like I'm in house for them. Uh, at, at this point, it feels great. that way sometimes. I've it, been there. It's great. It wasn't intentional, um, you know. But and I do, I do enjoy working with them. Um, but there is some thrill as an SEO and as an agency of being able to work on new problems and new challenges 
constantly, right? And like for every client, that's why we do it. Yeah, and for every client, it's it's different and it's fun, and that's that's why I love SEO. Like that's what caught me. Well, this this has been amazing. Time. I got a lightning round for you, really quick. But okay. uh, before we jump into it, is there is there anything right now that um, that you want to kind of share what you're working on, or or maybe how how people who are listening can um, you know can use your services? Are you guys taking new clients right now, or? Um, right at this exact moment, I mean, it's, I'm going to say it's August, just in case somebody's listening to this later, it's August, 2021. Um, one of, one of my team members is out on paternity leave. So for the next like 30 to 60 days, probably not taking on, uh, any significant new projects. Um, but after when we get closer to the fall, like absolutely, you know, love to take on new projects You know, we're always looking for you know a fun challenge. So like if you plateaued. Um, if you're trying to develop an internal process, uh, if you're trying to just determine like how do we approach fill in the blank, like technical sure. content, and so forth, um, we we love to get involved. Um, what's, um, what's something on their on your website right now that's um, that you if you were to say, hey, you got to check out this one thing that we wrote or did or produced or tool we created, uh, what's something that you want them to check out? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you had something before when we were talking years ago where. Um, it was this neat tool that helped you look at your link profile or back yeah. in the day. We, yeah, with remove them probably. Yeah, yeah we, right. we had it, it automatically looked at your backlink profile and determined like like a percentage toxic sort of thing. Is that still around? Um, it is. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's definitely still around. You know, I don't know. I, I you know, it's funny. You and I were talking bef- before the show um, yeah. about like cobblers and shoes and so forth. So like yeah. our site. My team has like taken it on and been working on it, which is fantastic. I haven't really been heavily involved with it. Um, the tool side of our site is not has not been updated externally um, the way that it should. So most, I would say, the last like four or five years, we have spent all of our energy improving our internal um, processes and how we approach clients and like what we do as a company. Um, so I, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of a tool that we have that I would be like, yeah, you definitely, you definitely need to go get this one. I think we like rank for some stuff like, you know, duplicate content tool forever. Um, but that's kind of, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a baby. No worries. Well, if you have something after, let me know. I'll drop the links in for everybody. So my, my quick little lightning round questions, uh, you already answered one, like what are your favorite tools, right? You have several of those I think are great. Um, next is going to be, who would you recommend we follow if we're, you know, if we want to stay on top of our game, who do you follow right now? And, um, who's really giving out some great content and good thought leadership in SEO. Yeah. Um, so, you know, personally, I spend a lot of time following and they're local SEOs for me as well. Um, JR Oaks at, uh, locomotive, okay. um, Patrick stocks who he was at IBM and now he is with Ahrefs. Um, so those are like my, my first two, like go to anytime I have a question. Um, and then there's, you know, like the, um, Bill Slosky and, mm-hmm. um, let's see, like Nick Eubanks, Paul Shapiro. Okay. Um, yeah, like that, like if you, if you start following one or two of, of those guys, you'll definitely start to see like that. All the rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cause they're, I mean, and they're, and for me, I follow them because they're at a stage and at a level with their SEO that like I w- I want to get to right like like Jr. and 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 Paul and or Bill guys. and his patents yeah yeah for sure. like they're yeah they're they're doing something that I I don't have the time to do or I haven't I haven't gotten there yet or I don't have the knowledge 
Um, and so I, I follow that group. So like, you know, if you are interested in Python for SEO, if you're interested in just like with Patrick, like Patrick's brilliant. Um, and he's constantly presenting this sort of like, um, I, I don't want to say it's basic content because it's always so insightful, but it's like, it, he, he takes a concept like internal linking or title tags or something like so that. You're relearning something the right way. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, and with something that like you never really thought of. Um, and right. so he takes like, you know, very, like, it's almost like um, relearning some basic concepts, but like with like all of the experience that he has developed over the years. And so like, you'll learn something about like, Hey, if you do this with your title tag, like, you know, like you can put emojis in it, you know, something like that. Cool. Yeah. We've, we've done a lot of those kind of tests too. We love it. Well, what are, what is one SEO myth that drives you absolutely crazy? Everyone's like, this is an SEO ranking signal. And you're like, there's just no way. Um, well, I mean, like there, there's like some normal, like meta descriptions, you know, where, where people are, because it's, and this is the opposite where, it's been noted that it's not an SEO ranking factor um, that they tend to get ignored. And it has such a heavy impact on click-through rates. Um, mm -hmm. It is how you sell the customer to come to your site. Um, right. and, and it's so easy to, to change and to test. Using so the myth is that meta descriptions are not a ranking signal. And you're right. the second person that I've talked to actually in the, the podcast series that has said meta descriptions are super important. So... That's, they, they, that's they, awesome. they're they're technically not you know I, I ran an experiment and you know google does not index the content of a meta description like you put a unique string of characters in a meta description and a separate unique string on the page like google will surface that page for the result that that has the content on the page but not for the content that's in the description so like right definitely not weighted at least at, at all um but the impact that it can have on the search on experience and, yeah yeah for sure um, so I think, I think that drives me a, a little bit mad. Um, I run into a number of instances where clients think that um, after a certain amount of time, you don't have to worry about redirects, um, whether it's maintaining them or recovering them. Um, and there's been some things kind of back and forth with Gary Ish regarding, you know, like yeah. what happens after a year of like finding a redirect or not. Um, and in my real world, you know, empirical experience, every single time that I, I, you know, run a crawl and find, well, either whether it's internal 404s or like use something like Ahrefs, uh, Broken Link Explorer, um, and you implement those redirects, like traffic, you just see the traffic go up. Um, and so like everything points to, it most definitely has an impact, regardless of whether they've got like an actual dial that says, you know, when this link gets recovered, like it makes the difference or not. Like, sure. I, I don't, I don't really care. Um, I just know that every time it, it does have an impact. So. I think those Jake, are this has been a lot of fun, my friend. And I know, I know there's so much more that we can talk through. We, we didn't even really get into like toxic links and cleaning up suspicious links, which is something I know you're like a genius at. Perhaps we'll, we'll save that for another, um, another podcast, but anything else that you'd like to kind of share with the audience and um, you know, how can they find you if they want to just kind of follow you and hit you up with your handle on social? Cool. Um, I'm at Jake Bohall on Twitter. Um, you can obviously visit hivedigital.com um, and you'll, you'll find us there. Um, and I will say, because I don't know if you said it or not, Steve, but you've got a book. Uh, you've got a book out that, that everybody should go and, and check out. Um, so those would be my parting words, like check out Steve's book and follow <laughs> me on Twitter. 
or for, yeah, for my textbook, you actually have to get it from your college. So it's, it's through oh, students. Oh, you can't, we so, can't even buy, I'm sure we could go buy yet. it. From like, if course. you're in school and you want to use that textbook as a guide, as a teacher or a student, you're more than welcome to. But my, my uh, second version of that, that's going to be more paperback. Um, I'm not starting that one until June of next year. So taking the year off to get some time with the wife now that the kids are back in school. So, okay. Well, well for say, those thank of you, you again. I'll start a, a, a secondhand market for Steve's book. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being on the show today. And this was so much fun. And we'll, um, we'll definitely catch you on the next episode. Great. Thanks, Steve. Take care.